Star jump sequence terminates, Captain. Get the gravitational dampers online and open the blast aye, shield. Aye, sir. Bring us in closer. Aye, aye, sir. Moving us in on sublight drive. Extreme magnification. Aye, sir. The center of the galaxy. And there's our black hole. The experience of a lifetime, Captain. Let me put this on audio. We should be able to hear the magnetic resonance field. This is it, ladies and gentlemen. The edge of time and space where the impossible can happen. Welcome to the event horizon. Good morning, or afternoon, or evening, whatever is relevant for the part of the world you are in. Indeed, welcome to the event horizon where the impossible happens. Join us each week at this time as we delve into the worlds of science fiction, fantasy, and science fact in all their forms. I'm your host, Gene Turnbow. And I'm your other host, Susan Fox. And with us today is the author of Chocolate Chocolate Moons and Sherlock Mars. Please welcome Jackie Kingham. Thank you for having me. It's uh, going to be great fun. I, I we think so. I, it will be delicious. Uh, this is I s- hope so, <laughs> as food plays a great part in my book. My protagonist originally started on Earth, but was weighing 287 pounds, then decided that she would go to college on the moon because there she'd only weigh 47 pounds. <laughs> But along the way, uh, her favorite candy, Chocolate Moons, becomes poisoned. And that was the basis of my very first book, Chocolate Mm, Chocolate mm -hmm. Moons. My more recent book, Sherlock Mars, has her thin uh, and owning a restaurant. But uh, murder plays uh, a big part in my books. And... uh, she she ends up being a very, very good detective and is teased and called Sherlock Mars by her family. <laughs> I What a, a, an incredible niche you've found. Well, I mean, the, there's been foodie mysteries for a while now. But foodie science fiction mysteries? That's different. Well, That's I, I put together what I love, and I've always Ooh. loved since child science fiction, and of course I've, I've always loved food. Um, my protagonist was based on a very heavy woman that I worked with who had a great sense of humor, and although she does not have a sense of humor, when I think of Molly, I think of her. Uh-huh. When I started my first book, I lived upstate New York in Hyde Park, right maybe a five-minute drive from the Culinary Institute, and it's open to the public, and my husband and I would go there about three times a week. And I thought, wouldn't it be wonderful to set a book at a Culinary Institute, but I don't want to do it on Earth. I'll do it on Mars. I had been a great fan, as many many of your listeners out there are of Kim Stanley Robinson, Mm -hmm. and I was um, influenced by his Mars trilogy. So when I started my book, I set it in a Blue Mars universe, Mm -hmm. and where it's already terraformed. 
and uh, and built it from there. In the opening of uh, Sherlock Mars, there's uh, there are descriptions of some of the places, and uh, for the most part, most of the cities used to have pressure domes, you know, to keep the the uh, to keep yes. the oxygen yes. in and the the uh, the weird Martian atmosphere out. Uh, right. But I think there's only one left now that that uh, that still has uh, still keeps the dome. Well, well one town it. liked to keep the dome because they wanted perfect weather, and the only way to have perfect weather is to create it artificially. So they have done that, and uh, and part of my book is set in this one little town. Mm-hmm. It's like, but most uh, of it is 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 out there. It's like Eskimos have 30 different words for ice and snow, and Martians have like 80 different words for wind. <laughs> exactly. Yes, yes. It's, uh, you've, re- you've, you've read it down to the details. I'm very <laughs> impressed. I hope others, you know, find Sherlock Moore's that entertaining. Well, you've got some real world building going on as well as, you know, a lot of foodie fun and uh, uh, adventure. Yes, that that was my my intention. Uh, Sherlock Mars, um, although has many, many of the same characters as Chocolate Chocolate Moons, mm-hmm. is a standalone book. So a person could pick up Sherlock Mars and not know anything at all about the earlier version, Chocolate mm-hmm. Moons, and and enjoy it. Yeah, it's it, you've done a, a really good job of setting up the various characters, so that uh, a new reader picking up picking up the thread in the second book does not get lost. And exactly. That's, that's very. That's a very nice thing. That's that's something that's not true of every uh, every uh, book series that you pick up. That's true. But, and one of the things that I very much enjoyed developing was the character of Trenton, who is an android. And it's now learned that android is the word that's out, but enhanced human is the word mm-hmm. that is currently in, in my book. And, uh, in the first book, Trenton is the only one. He's the very, very first. Uh, android, mm-hmm. but in the second book there are quite a few, and there is a uh, a piece there that more or less mirrors prejudice against different groups that are unknown to each other and afraid of each other until different groups learn and and love each other. So uh, part of my book is how do humans interact with this new group and what happens. And, and sometimes they're pretty ugly. Yeah, and, and some, there, there are some dramatic differences between uh, humans in various, from from various worlds and from, uh, you know. Absolutely. On, on Earth, Absolutely. five foot six is about normal. On Mars, uh, seven foot two is about normal. Right, right. Mars, um, which I learned from doing research, if you're born on a planet or a world that has lower gravity than Earth, the fetus is going to elongate, and people are going to grow and be naturally taller. So I put that into the book um, as a factor. 
when people go to uh, the hotel on a space station, which I have, they come from all over, and I describe people, and they all say the people from Earth are the shortest and most overdressed, <laughs> and everybody else is rather sleek and uh, and uh, sleek and tall looking. Mm-hmm. I have a wedding that takes place on a space station that has a hotel called Nurgle Palace, and I have great fun with the with the wedding. Is that the one with the uh, the hologram in the foyer, uh, the hologram of the solar system, and you look up and and uh, it looks like you're looking up into outer space? Yes, there are quite ah. a few uh, holograms. Very very. Uh, convincing ones. After all, this is the future. And the mm-hmm. one that I like best happens to be the swimming pool that looks like you're swimming out in space. So you go in the pool and you see the stars all around you and, you know, you're splashing in this wonderful warm water and, uh, breathing and it's, it's, you're part of the hologram. However, sometimes it can be scary. One of the hotel rooms, or rather many of the hotel rooms have what looks like three walls and the back wall looks like you can just walk out into space. Many people love that. They find it thrilling. But Molly, my protagonist, Molly finds it scary and daunting and says, please turn it off because I'm a bit unnerved. Well, you're afraid you're going to blow out into space and die. I mean, exactly. Exactly. Any of your, any of your space going people, you know, spaceship people who work on on the, on the routes are going to just, just not like that at all. Right. Right. Absolutely. So, but but there's a three year waiting list for such a room in case you and your listeners would like to book one. So, um, the the thing about this story is that it is a murder mystery and uh science fiction writing science fiction all by itself is already pretty daunting stuff i mean when it comes to world building and then yeah. adding adding a murder mystery on top of that just seems like making the job twice as hard what do you how do you how did you well i don't that? know it just evolves and uh I, I can't say it's it's the only book I've ever written. I've written some short stories, uh-huh. but I've I've really I've had some things published in uh, the Fringe magazine, mm-hmm. and uh, I don't have my list here. It's not all that long, but I have had a few things published. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's my first experience with a book. And I really just put together the stuff that I love, which is science fiction and food. By the way, I'm not fat. <laughs> I'm normal weight. I met someone and she said, I couldn't believe it was you. You just, you know, you're not a heavy person. And I said, no, I'd love to lose those five pounds that every woman wants to lose. But basically, um, you know, of normal weight. People expect the... Um Authors to be the characters sometimes, and that's that's not a fair. Yes. Yeah. So you're I sort must, of. It must be worse for movie stars. <laughs> oh yeah. Well, at least they be. look like them. Yeah. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, that's true. That's they right. At least they look like them. 
Yeah. So the uh, uh, how much time did it take to uh, to plan out the storyline for um, well, for Sherlock? My Myers? first book took a long time. I was uh, back and forth doing other things. I had gone to the School of Visual Art in New York City, which is a very very high powered art college. And I had been painting professionally for 30 years. I had a studio on Union Square, and then when I went upstate, I was continuing that. So I, I was painting along with writing. So my uh, my first book, off and on, took about, from beginning to end, three years to write. Mm-hmm. The second book, um, about half the time, because you kind of know where you're going even though the whole thing is a mystery to you, which is what makes it fun. Mm-hmm. If you know all, at least for me, if I know all the answers, then uh, why write it? You, <laughs> you learn as you go. Uh, so um, you knew where the plot was going, but you didn't necessarily know all of the what the characters were going to do in the scenes that you set I out didn't, for them. No, I didn't, and I didn't know who did the murder in my second book. Wow. I really didn't know. The, the murder is of um, someone who owns a virtual reality restaurant, and my protagonist, Molly, owns this very, very successful and sophisticated bistro in New um, New Chicago, Mars, which is the capital, my capital of uh-huh. Mars, <clears throat> and and what happens is is that a virtual reality restaurant opens next door, and she's at first very concerned that that might take away the business, but exact opposite happens that when people finish going with the experience of virtual reality, which turns out to be very, very wonderful. Everybody loves it, but they're starving. They're yeah. oh, starving yeah. at the end. Because they're eating They're eating virtual, they're having the, the sensation of eating. They're eating air, right. Yeah. They're eating air, they're, they're drinking water and they're swallowing air. So they make a beeline for Molly's Bistro, and her business just, increases and enhances and then the big thing happens and uh the uh, the owner of vv's is that virtual virtual vittles or virtual virtual vittles yes (laughs) yes virtual vittles uh um, and i uh, described some of the food which uh uh, i wish i could make i wish i could even try such a thing. Yeah, well, because, you, uh, but you can't. Because everything you can, has to sound delicious. Because because they can do things with the virtual foods that you can't do in real life because it doesn't exist. Like, right, exactly. Tr- like chocolate-infused peaches. Well, which sounds wonderful. That up. But, yeah. <laughs> but, but that's true. That's Some of these combinations sound better than they are. <laughs> right. But one nice thing is if a person is diabetic... They can have the sugar, and if they're alcoholic, they can drink virtual alcohol. So uh, th- th- that's one nice side thing. And of course, if you're overweight, you don't gain any weight. Right, right, it, and and it. Uh, uh, of course, the the trick is that they would go back and forth between virtual vittles and mollies. Yeah, don't let uh, them. Right. You know, <laughs> well, that, and just, that's a special dinner that they make. 
Yeah, they'd they'd go back to they'd go to the virtual vittles and and pig out, and they'd do that for hours, and then they'd have they'd be starving, and they'd They're have to starving. go like like go home and eat everything, <laughs> right? <laughs> to compensate, right. you Catch know, your pad of the bottle. I mean, so yeah. hungry, just just Fro- do it. frozen vegetables out of the freezer without cooking them first. <laughs> mm, <laughs> crunchy, like, right? Yeah, but uh, I, I liked um I liked uh. Uh, what Trent? Trent? What's his Trenton? Name? Trenton. Trenton. He, uh, he and his. Well, I, he I and got his the wife. name really from. Uh, I was thinking since everybody is named after some place uh-huh. in the world, and I came up with Jersey. Yeah. Then I free associated, and Trenton is the capital Trenton of and New Jersey. Jersey. Oh, that's all. Oh, so, that makes perfect sense. I knew that. And, uh, but you were saying earlier that, uh, you use some of these characters to sort of underscore, um, uh, the, z- the, the xenophobia and, and, uh, and racism, you know, that, that yes. there is that aspect in this. There is that aspect. And, yes. and Trenton is a, uh, Trenton is a more mechanical than man at this point. Well, um, he had, he, he became transformed. As most of the people did, because they were in horrible accidents or they were suffering terrible diseases. And the choice in Trenton's case, he was uh, racing a car and went around a curve and crashed. The, the choice was to be a brain in a bottle or dead or to be transformed into an android. And of course, he picks being transformed. And the procedure is so successful, then others, little by little, uh, mm-hmm. want to have it done. And then people ask, uh, well, isn't it strange? And, and there's a conversation in the book where they say, well, if you, do you know anyone who has an artificial knee? And they'll say, oh, yes, my uncle has an artificial knee. And what about a hip? Yes. And if you go down the list, and at what point... You know, do your organic organs uh, become mechanical organs? Mm-hmm. And at what point would you say yeah. a transition uh-huh. might be made? And, and how much of yourself has to be uh, replaced before uh, before you're no longer human? Before, right, right. You know, and, and, what, what and what does what does that mean in terms of uh, exactly? So I do explore some of those. Uh, Hopefully, in well, I think in a humorous manner, and uh, I hope that your listeners would be entertained hearing and reading about it. They got to just get the book, get Sherlock Moss, and find out on how this is resolved. It is resolved in the book. It is, and hopefully, you'll laugh and say that was that was thoughtful and intelligent and fun. Well, and, and fun, and mostly fun. The book is mostly fun. Serious things are addressed, but mostly it just is fun and is delicious. After you read some of my <laughs> chapters, people say they just want to go out and get a slice of pizza. They're they're hungry. <laughs> I, I want recipes. Oh yeah, <laughs> I want those chocolate moons. I want them. Yes. <laughs> Gotta have them. Yeah, right. They're delicious. She always carries them in her pocketbook. Yeah, um, I had sent uh, 
I had sent my book to uh, one of the vice presidents of Godiva Chocolate, and she uh, sent back, this was a few years ago, so don't ask me what her name is, but she sent me back some Godiva Chocolate. Nice! So that happened to be a very nice thing that happened oh, to that me. Oh, is, that is nice. That's that's, that's yes. not fun. Yeah, the, uh, uh, the history of Mars... Um, the uh there's so much going on under the hood in this society it's um there's stories going on that we'll never we just see a little sliver of and as it walks right. by you know? and and their understanding of who they are as a people and as a society and where they came from and reality right. are two wildly different things <laughs> and it's <laughs> well isn't that well, the way with most they people merge. <laughs> yeah. That's right. That's right. Yeah, I mean, but, it, it's, but f- frequently they do merge, even though there's a lot of virtual reality in my book. There's a virtual reality travel agency that Molly's uh, uh, new in-laws own, and they say, "Why go there when you can just stay here and be there?" Right. Right. It's one of their themes. Yeah. Why? Why go there when you can? Go there and stay here. Exactly. (laughs) What a what exactly. And I've always I've always uh, uh, imagined, you know, that uh, virtual reality might be might be a thing that way. And you know, uh, I was I was just driving home the other day, uh, running an errand, and I passed by this truck that was covered with advertising, and it said virtual reality rentals. Yeah, and it was the wow. cy- the cyber cafe, and they are doing the exact thing that you were writing in, uh, about in your book. Oh it, my, <laughs> my! I would love yeah. to learn the name of that place. No, it's just just one of these little, you know, these one of these little cyber cafes, but they offer virtual reality experience as part of, uh, you know, as part of what they offer. Well, they got an Oculus Rift. Yeah, an Oculus. Yeah, and... Oculus Rift and a, a an HTC Vive headset. And uh, now somebody's got to go out and record those things. I want that job. Yeah. <laughs> I want to go to the real places and record them for the people who aren't going there. Yeah. Well, it's it's uh, right. It's, it's well, not- you do get to feel stuff. I mean, you mm-hmm. wear, you know, haptic gloves that give you the mm-hmm. sensation. And uh, sometimes you're on a stationary bicycle mm-hmm. to make you feel as though you've actually done something. Mm-hmm. So I kind of explain that. Uh, people will finish with virtual reality and be tired, and uh, they they know ahead of time that they're going mm-hmm. to be tired. But they have some strenuous programs like mountain climbing, and even though you're not climbing a mountain, there are exercises that will make you feel when you're finished uh, that I'm you really have. tired. Yeah. I've done it. Yeah. Well, yeah, that beats the heck out of you know calisthenics in place, doesn't it? Yeah, I think I think a lot of this is coming. I mean, it's it's on the horizon, and and well, and and probably in in twenty years or fifty years, it'll be a form of recreation. I get that. I'm going to be newer than now. I think it's going to be a lot. Very cheap. Yeah. So it can you can open you know one of these Uh places with with less capital uh, uh, than uh, opening a real travel. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Well, the the uh, uh, the trick, of course, is that you'd have to. You, it's not enough to just go film it. You have to digitally recreate the environment so that uh, right. so that the observer can move freely within it. 
and have that yes. experience. And but, have that experience. But uh, uh, we're already starting to see some of this. Uh, there is a um, there is a, a virtual reality gaming control device that uh, it, basically you stand in a parabolic dish. You know, it's like like a yes, a, and it's slippery. And you just walk in this thing, and you wear a harness so that you don't fall over. Uh, well, that was my next question because I'm I would be yeah. guaranteed to fall on my butt. Yeah, it's wow. about it's about the size of a refrigerator, and you stand in this thing, and but you can walk and turn in any direction. You can squat, you can stand up, and you can run, and uh, it's it's very natural motions, and it's how you move around in the game in, in the game environment. Uh, wow, it's. It's they're still in the uh, they're still in the gee whiz uh, department, you know. They, these aren't things that you're going to see at even at every shopping mall, uh, right? But I imagine in but, five but years you will probably grow. will. Oh yeah, it'll grow. Well, I, I tell a, me the company and I'll invest in it. Because <laughs> it sounds like yeah. you know it'll it'll go with the next stock market boom up. Yeah, it probably will. You're probably you're, pro- you're probably right. It, it probably will. And One thing that I enjoyed writing about was the wedding of uh, Molly's daughters. She has twin these twin daughters, and one of them gets engaged, and they decide to have the wedding on a the space station hotel, and all that entails. Not having a daughter, and will never go through that process. I found as a writer, it. Uh, kind of lovely imagining this space station wedding and what goes on with it. Uh, magnetized um, rose petals that would fly around the room and other such things. So that was a great deal of fun to write and how the walls would undulate and they could change the environment while the people were having dinner. That was also a big plus. The the environment, the world that you've created is just so rich and so detailed. I mean, right down to the last, you know, the last no. weed growing in the crack in the sidewalk. Well, it's, it's because, all there. It's because she's, you know, considering all the senses. Yeah. And yes. In a, in a way that most writers do not. I mean, uh, uh, the, uh, the sense of taste being so dominant in uh, in in what you write, it's the whole foodie thing that makes this such a unique experience uh, as a science fiction reader. Yes, and there really isn't enough science fiction out there that's funny. I mean, Douglas Adams, uh-huh. I loved, and then I was looking for other people, and I'm sure there's more, but few and far between. In comparison to those that show us the other side of the coin, mm-hmm. yeah, it's, it's grim all, and dark. Oh yes, it's all it's hard. grim and dark. And when I see you know scientific science fiction things where uh, aliens are taking over humans, I think never they are not coming all that distance just because they want us. I mean, <laughs> I really don't think so. Yeah. No, you're you're absolutely right. <laughs> and and they would be much more evolved than than all of that. But I had always been a science fiction lover and loved Star Trek mm-hmm. and and you know as as your audience does, 
you know, it's uh, you've got a wonderful station out there, and I think once people discover it, then you tune in. Uh, it's getting the word out how good it is and uh, having them tell their friends. Well, thank you very much. If they have any friends left <laughs> from, from watching all the crazy stuff, but but hopefully uh, the word will spread. Well, thank you very much. That's very kind of you to say. Um, so the uh, Tr- Trenton is a fascinating character. You're still I mean, back just, on him, huh? Yeah, I'm just I'm enamored with him. I mean, uh, Jersey and Trenton, when they go on vacation or when they fly anywhere, he can they just get pack one, up his luggage. They get one ticket and he folds up his luggage. <laughs> I mean, yes, <laughs> the airlines are going to yes. twig to this. Sooner or later, First they're going to figure this out. I have a out. very good marriage, been married like forever. Uh-huh. And so people say, is it because you don't like your husband? I say, no, on the contrary. We've been married a very long time and uh, still very much in love. But the character of Trenton in Jersey is they are cheap. They are very, uh-huh. very cheap. And what motivates Trenton for many of his experiments is how can I make more money? And and uh, one of the things that he does invent is a carrying case where he can fold himself down and go into the case and Jersey can just carry him on as luggage. And then they do something at the other end where he more or less inflates and becomes Trenton again. Uh, it's it's better in the book than what I'm saying right now. Yeah. So Still, someone you know. would have to read the book to uh, discover the process. Well, and, and it's one of many uh-huh. things that he does do. Well, and the uh, the other part of the relationship is that uh, Trenton. Being what he is is often the object of scorn and um, discrimination, and they can't well, he, necessarily, you know. Yeah, he 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 wasn't so much in the beginning because he was only one. But as the numbers grow, and people were afraid that the enhanced human. Uh, i.e. the android, are going to take away their jobs, are going to uh, move into their neighborhoods, are going to change the complexion of society so that there's a backlash. People march around with signs saying, go back to Oz, Tin Man. Um, And this all does get resolved in the end, um, but not without some pain and... uh, not without some pain, yeah. period. Yeah. As, as all great movements move ahead. Yeah. So, and they've got their own cuisine, too. Th- oh, yeah. <laughs> and they have, yes. Yes, they have their own cuisine. I mean, would you like an Exxon Sour? A, a, uh, <laughs> a silicone They shake. have a, a, a bar, which becomes a chain of bars called silicone slings and they can all go and eat certain things that we cannot eat. That, and, that's not uh, going to catch among on like them is uh, Exxon sours and motor oils and yeah. Uh, <laughs> that's not going to catch on like oil. soul food in the nice neighborhoods, is it? Not going to catch on. No, <laughs> don't think so. 
Well, and then, don't have uh, to worry about that one. And this is uh, uh, Molly uh, theorizes that the uh, the discrimination that Trenton suffers uh, might be part of why they ended up in the cheap part of town all the time. You know, because can't they can't well, they want to get better places, but maybe th- that's they can't. It. Get exactly, them? they're looking for, but but it they, it soon becomes very fashionable, like Soho in New York. Ah, I know, right? In the eighties, people what people were crazy to move into lofts. Then, boom, real estate boom, and other cities have kind of copied that, and away we go with. Uh, astronomical prices yeah so 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 they created a very trendy and upbeat and upbeat place i i just hope that your listeners will will enjoy discovering my book it's out on amazon uh it's also on the kindle so it's very very easy to find i'm in the process of getting a new website so I don't have one right now. I had taken down my old one, uh-huh. and uh, I've, a good friend is now redesigning a new one. So hopefully by the end of the month, uh, people can do uh, com and they can uh-huh. find me that way. Okay. Otherwise, That's they great. can call you, and you can <laughs> sure, get me. We'll sure. tell So how long has the book been out? The new one. The book has only been out since June. Ah, uh, okay. Chocolate Moons came out 2012, and this just came out. And it's published by a uh, a man in St. Andrews, Scotland, actually a guy from Texas who's now living in St. Andrews, Scotland. And he started a publishing company, Godridge Books, and he... He publishes quite a few offbeat things, uh, my book being one of them. Huh, Cowboy uh, Hat and a Kilt. Anyway, it's it's over there in in the U.K. Okay. So thank you very much for joining us. And and thank you, and and I enjoyed it. And I hope they buy, as, as it says on the back, a riotous concoction, fine dining, Virtual reality, murder, delightfully weird, what's not to like. <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> we Thank absolutely agree me. with that. We think that's okay. a, that's exactly spot on. We love the books. And uh yeah, if you if you like science fiction and food and <laughs> murder mysteries, this is the book you want. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. Bye bye. Bye bye. You have been listening to episode 157 of Krypton Radio's weekly production of The Event Horizon for January 7th, 2017, with your hosts Susan Fox and Gene Turnbow. Our guest this evening has been science fiction novelist and author of Chocolate Chocolate Moons and its sequel, Sherlock Mars, both from Guardbridge Books of St. Andrews, Scotland. This episode will air again on Sunday, January 8th at 4 p.m. Pacific, 7 p.m. Eastern, and two more times on the following Thursday and Saturday mornings at 4 a.m., 7 a.m. Eastern. Once all the airtimes have passed, you will find this episode and others on iTunes, Stitcher, and our own website at kryptonradio.com as podcasts. Krypton Radio is nerd-supported geek culture radio, and while we do get some of our money from advertising, most of it comes from listeners just like you. 
If you enjoy hearing the Event Horizon each week, please visit patreon.com slash kryptonradio and agree to contribute $5 a month. It will help keep your favorite radio station and shows like this one on the air and thriving. If you are an artist, writer, actor, or other creator and you would like to appear as a guest on the Event Horizon, please contact our production manager, Kat Carter, at katcarter at kryptonradio.com. The Event Horizon title sequence was written and produced by Gene Turnbow. The science officer was played by sci-fi illustrator Mark Schurmeister. The engineer was Christian B. McGuire. The navigator was Christine Cherry. And the captain was voiced by science fiction grandmaster Larry Niven. This program is the first of 2017 and is copyright 2017 by Krypton Media Group Incorporated. The Event Horizon on Krypton Radio. It's sci-fi for your Wi-Fi.